I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. And joining me today is Mary Jordan, author of Dodging Dementia, Understanding MCI and Other Risk Factors. Many of us don't realize that there are things we can do to mitigate the risk of dementia. Whether you have a close relative with dementia, a history of high-risk factors for this condition, or a diagnosis of MCI, and MCI is mild cognitive impairment, you may be concerned to know how personally personally at risk you or a loved one is and what you can do to dodge what is definitely not inevitable. Mary Jordan guides readers through the many factors associated with developing dementia and the science behind our current understanding, including diet, exercise, trauma, pharmaceuticals, genetics, social isolation, just to name a few. She is a director and founder of Adapt Dementia, LTD, formed to help people find a better way to live with dementia. She has specific firsthand experience of dementia through her work for the Alzheimer's Society, a UK dementia charity, and has co-authored the award-winning End of Life, The Essential Guide to Caring. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Mary. Thank you. Hello. Hello. Uh, Hello. About to, yes, about dementia, I, I just want to clarify this because dementia is a general term, as I understand it, for loss of memory, language, problem-solving, and you know other abilities um, that interfere with our daily life, but it is a generalized term. So what are we talking about? Are we talking about, let's define that dementia as a generalized term. And then what comes under that is Alzheimer's. Yes, you're right. Dementia is what we call an umbrella term, a term for the, um, the things that happen to you, the, the symptoms, if you like. Um, and Alzheimer's disease is just one form of dementia. Okay, so dementia is not a single disease. Um, we're talking, as we say, and I re-emphasize, it's just an overall term to describe a collection of symptoms. So maybe Absolutely. we should, yeah. Okay, dodging dementia. Uh, before we dodge it, I guess we have to know exactly what it is and what are some of the symptoms of dementia. <laughs> Uh, yes. Do you want me to talk about those symptoms? Yeah. What are the symptoms? What are we looking um, for? Or what should we well, be looking for? The most common symptom is a short-term memory loss. So forgetting what somebody said to you three seconds ago, forgetting where you were half an hour ago, those kind of things. And that's usually the first symptom as well. And then because of the progressive memory loss, people will forget how to manage their everyday life, their everyday activities, because all our activities involve us remembering what we've just done or how to do something. Well, what's the difference between that and we have an aging population, uh, obviously, and when one ages... Uh, many people are elderly people just, you know, they can't remember things that they could remember before. They more, for, I don't even want to use the word forgetful. And then all of a sudden they think, oh my God, I have dementia. But that's not necessarily, <laughs> or Alzheimer's, not necessarily true, is it? No, there's a, there's a big difference between uh, just having a, a, diff, a bad memory and having dementia. 
um, the real line that you cross when you would say it's just MCI and then it might be dementia. The real line is when you can no longer manage what we call the activities of daily living. So that is very, very basic activities, shopping, um, dressing, cleaning your teeth, making a cup of tea, things like that. So those are activities of daily living, and as I understand it, with dementia or with Alzheimer's, it gets progressively worse as absolutely yeah as time goes on, and there is no cure for it. Um, some of the fact, I guess, the factors that we can't control are uh, age, and what about hereditary? Is there a hereditary factor? That- there, there is a hereditary factor. Yes. Yes, in, in, in many types of dementia. But, again, we haven't got a complete grip of that. We know a lot of research has been done, and we know that certain genes um, increase your risk factor. But that doesn't mean that you'll get the dementia just because you've got those genes. But it will increase your risk of getting dementia if you have them. So if that's going to increase our risk, how do we mitigate the risk? I mean, that's what your book is all about. That's what you're all about. We don't have to. It's not inevitable, even though we may have that gene, even though we're getting older. Um, that's right. Okay. So what can we do to um, ask the question again? What can we do to prevent it? Or or at least uh, maybe we can't necessarily prevent it, but we can soften the blow. <laughs> we can, you can reduce your risk. And really, that's what the book is about. We can't prevent dementia until we know what causes it. And at the moment, we still do not know what causes it. Despite all the media um, hype out there, we just don't know what causes dementia. It's now thought to be uh, multifactorial. In other words, there are lots of different things. And, And that's really the basis of the book, looking at all the different things that raise your risk of getting dementia. So uh, you go on. No. So let's talk about those. What are they? What are the, 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 those risks that. Okay. Well, age is a factor. And as you said, we can't do anything about that. Um, And, and then there's the hereditary factor and we can't really do anything about that. The things we can do um, are uh, t- looking at exercise, which is known to, if you, if you um, keep healthy and uh, exercise, it's known to reduce your risk of getting dementia. You can eat properly. Mary, I just want to stop with that one because I want to get into each sure. one of these factors because we talk about exercise. Mm. What, what kind of exercise? How much exercise? Do you have to be running every single day and four or five miles a day or doing yes. push-ups? Or what are you supposed to, what is one supposed to be doing? Well, this I do cover this in the book. You don't have to be a gym bunny. You don't have to sweat it out in the gym. You just have to, uh, even brisk walking is a good exercise. Um, uh, gardening, yard work, uh, and playing any kind of sport even walking football, which is a a very new thing for older people. Anything like that, anything that gets you moving and regularly gets you moving. Regularly gets you moving. So in other words, keep moving. Don't sit on the couch and watch TV or do video games until you die. This is not, we want to, (laughs) yeah, we uh, have to keep moving. However, 
however you've kept, and you know, I guess what, you know, when I hear you talking about that, you do gardening or you walk or uh, whatever you do, but kind of just make sure you continue the kinds of exercises that you've done all your life, I guess. Maybe you can't do that as you age, maybe not as vigorously, but don't stop. Don't stop. Absolutely. Don't stop. Don't sit around. And it seems to me that that's going to be a tough one, I guess, especially for this aging population, uh, baby boomers, because now with the internet, it's very easy to be just sitting around and still feel like you're connected to the rest of the world. Um, you got to, you have to force yourself to get up and go out. Yes, that's a really good point. It's a lot easier to to not move around now, isn't it? It's a lot easier to meet people online. Uh, it's a lot easier. You can't really walk your dog online. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Well, okay, so that's one. Of, buy a dog. Get a. That's a, actually. <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. Well, people get dog walk walkers also, but that's an, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's that's the other thing. Yeah. That's the other thing, right? All right. So exercise really important. Yeah. 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 What else can we do? Okay. Um, then this is a bit difficult to address retrospectively. But there's a lot of evidence that shows that um, having more years of education means you have a lower risk of getting dementia. And that's quite difficult because you think, well, I'm, I'm grown up now. I've had my education. What can I do about that if I haven't had enough education? The actual um, the amount they consider to be optimum is 12 years of education. So um, that's, you know, schooling. So um, it's, that's a difficult one to address if, you, if, you're, if you're grown up and your schooling is in the past. But we can all keep our brain um, pliable and plastic so we can keep doing new things and learning new things, um, however old we are. So that's a, a very important factor. I think it was Eleanor... Roosevelt, who said, do something, or she does, and we should do something different every day. She and, did, I think. Yeah, and I always think mm. about that, but how different? I mean, do you have to take a risk? I mean, doing something different every day, what does that mean? Do you have to do, a, you know, a, enroll in a, a class, or what does that exactly mean in terms of the plasticity of the brain and how we're going to keep it moving as we yeah. age. Now, I do cover this in, in the book. Okay. Um, so this is, this is a very good point that you're raising. Um, doing something different every day doesn't necessarily mean anything big, as you've said. But as we get older, we tend to do, go to the same places. You go to the same petrol filling station. Um, I think you call it a gas station there. Um, you, go, you go to the same supermarket. You, you take the same walk every day. We tend to do that because it's nice and easy and it's comfortable. So those are quite small things that we could change. You could actually choose to di- visit a different shopping mall. Go to a different Just, film. Go to something that you would never yeah. go to before. Absolutely. Uh, to a, a read a book you, you wouldn't choose to read. Uh, you know, when you talk about education, uh, that that's important. And, of course, if you haven't, whatever your education has been, formal education probably is what it is. But I always think of travel as, edu- travel as education, too. 
make yourself, and, and it doesn't mean you have to, I don't have to go to London, you don't have to go to New York, but you can go to places that are maybe unfamiliar, that are yeah. in your country or city or, or, you know, different cities within a state. So that's a form of education, another form of education. Yeah, it's a very good point. Yes, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I haven't I haven't really gone into that in the book, but you're quite right. Travel in itself, and it doesn't have to be distant travel, as you've pointed out. Just going to a different place um, is is educational in itself. What about risk? I mean, older people are notorious for not wanting to take risks, as you kind of alluded mm. to. That we go to the same gas station, we go to this you know same grocery store. Mm. Uh, Whatever is considered a risk for somebody or someone may be something good to do, I would imagine, that that gets your brain working or challenged. Yes, I wouldn't want to suggest that people do do something dangerous. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but certainly just doing something different uh, from what you normally do or, or, or um, meeting somebody different, getting to know different people, Choosing, you know, different scenes, different things. It's it's all very, very relevant because your brain drops into these grooves. If you always do the same thing all the time, then your brain tends to drop into those kind of grooves. And what you're trying to do is develop new brain cells and get new connections going. So the word for me that uh, I hear you saying is challenges, new challenges, whatever they are, and it's different for each person. Uh, you know, yes. it's all, yeah. I mean, it's always interesting. I don't know if interesting is the word, but there are people in their 90s who are out there moving and doing and contributing and, 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 uh, and, and then they're the ones who are at the opposite end of the spectrum. And then probably more people are in the, the middle. So I always want to know what is their secret, the 90 year olds who are out there participating and, and meeting new challenges and doing new things. What are, how do they get there? Because there's some kind of motivation that's involved in that, obviously. Yes, yes. I think um, we ought to ask them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yes, you, you do meet, you meet people, it, age is not the biggest factor, it is the biggest factor, but age doesn't mean you have to have dementia, you do meet people, you meet many elderly people who are, you know, full of life, and always interested in different things, so um, it's up to us, I think. All right, so we've talked about exercise. We have. Yeah, and education, doing new things, meeting new challenges. What else should we be doing to mitigate the ravages of dementia, of Alzheimer's? Well, I think one of the simplest things and the thing that that terrifies most people is cut sugar out of your diet. It's probably the one (laughs) most difficult thing for anybody to do. Yeah, all sugar. Well, it's surprising how much sugar there is in foods you wouldn't even expect to see. So, you know, it's easy to just say, I don't take sugar in my coffee. But if you um, look at packets of food, and uh, any packeted food or canned food, if you look at the ingredients, you'll be astonished at the number of things that contain sugar. Really astonished. If you start to look tomorrow, you will be really surprised. And uh, we are taking in 
far more sugar than we actually know we're doing. So look at those labels when you're in, in the grocery yeah. store, whichever yeah. grocery store you choose to go to and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and choose a new one. Um, but, okay, so we, how much sugar are we supposed to have? I mean, is there any supposed to? Or even if we cut sugar, as you, it sounds you, like you we're going to have some sugar. Yeah. You don't need sugar at all. It's an empty calorie. It's completely, it's got no nutritional value whatsoever. But, but, I don't want to be a killjoy. I mean, we all like sugar. Everyone likes a cream cake now and again or a piece of chocolate. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not. It's not sort of be all and end all, but just cut it down, cut it down, cut it out as much as you can. Minimize your sugar intake. Minimize. Absolutely. It's one very, very simple thing we could do, all of us. Yeah. I mean, I have to say I do do that. I always look at the labels and I am always surprised as to how much added sugar. Sometimes they'll Uh say on the labels that there is no added sugar. I'm not sure exactly what that means, that there is sugar, but we didn't add more sugar. (laughs) I think that's probably probably exactly what it means. They haven't added, yes, they haven't added extra sugar. Uh, You'll sometimes get that on products like yogurt. Yeah. Um, So, yes. That's very. That's a very good point. Now, okay. So now we have the sugar. Do not minimize your sugar intake. Um, what's next? Uh, hmm. Well, I think you see. I I think the sugar intake is, is the reason I pick on that is because it's the simplest um, element of, that we can do in connection with our diet, and diet is a really big issue at the moment everybody's got a diet a magic diet this works for this works for this person this works for this person everyone wants you to eat the diet that works for them and i don't think that there is a particular diet that works for everybody but minimizing sugar is something we can all do so that's sorry that's why i picked that particular factor Mary, what about the, okay, so sugar, but, mo, and I'll, you know, I have some of the statistics here in the United States, which are not good ones, because we as a country or we as a nation are overweight and obese. So we are eating too much sugar or too much of whatever we're eating. Um, and I would assume that that's not good for you either to be overweight or obese. Um, yeah. Mm. Overweight is bad for your health generally and and obesity, bad for your health generally. So anything that's bad for your health generally is bad for your health generally. It's going to put um, um, more pressure on your heart for a start. But interestingly, the evidence is, is not very clear about overweight being directly responsible for dementia. But it is a factor in type 2 diabetes, maturity onset diabetes, and that type of diabetes is a very, very high risk factor for dementia. So it's a sort of staged, um, you know, if you can understand what I mean, the, yeah. the overweight might cause the dementia, cause the diabetes, and diabetes is a very high risk factor for dementia. Sure. Another thing that's a high risk factor, I mentioned this in the intro, was was trauma. Let's talk about that, or what do you mean by that, trauma? Yeah, this is a very interesting one, and I wrote about it quite a lot in the book because 
um, a lot of what I've seen is subjective. There's, there's two factors here. One is actually um, physical blunt, blunt trauma to the, to the head, and we know and have known for, for a long time that that can cause dementia. So we've got professional soccer players and um, boxers who have had many blows to the head and who've developed dementia. So we've known that. But my personal experience, and this is strictly subjective and personal, but I have worked for 15 years, you know, with dementia. The number of times I've seen people who have had a major um, trauma in their life, an emotional trauma, if you like, um, which I can't say it's led to the dementia, but it appears to be a causative fact. When you say emotional trauma, how, what, what, can we talk about what that is exactly? Uh, because most of us, if you live long enough, yeah. you're going to have had some yeah. emotional trauma. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there are some, yeah. So what yeah. are we talking you're, about? You're quite right. Most of us, well, all of us, if we live long enough, we're all going to, uh, you know, um, lose somebody close to us, be involved in an accident, have something happen to us. You're quite right there. It seems to be how we deal with the trauma. And there's a lot of evidence here among um, veterans, service veterans, because you see um, people who've suffered from um, PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, after um, experiencing trauma in war situations. So there's, there's quite a lot of evidence to show that that can have an effect. Um, and all I've done really in my work is translate that, see how... It's working for civilians. Yeah, I mean that example is extreme trauma. I would um, mm. um, right, but are you talking about resilience? Perhaps whatever kind of trauma that we have yeah. had, the most yeah. people who are the most resilient do better or help to. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, talking about resilience, and not necessarily. Um, it doesn't mean it's anything to do with your own character. It seems to be more. Um, how you manage the trauma and how how much help you have to manage the trauma. So, um, you know, things like counselling, but also supportive relatives, supportive friends, any, anything like that that actually helps you to get through it. I think it's when it, you don't have that outside support. That's, it's, it's a personal feeling. It's what I've experienced. Um, I don't think I have a lot of uh, research evidence to actually support that. Okay. I, I also mentioned pharmaceuticals. Where does that come into play? That is covered in Chapter 4 of the book, which wasn't actually written by me. It was written by Dr. Jerry Thompson at my request because he's a doctor, uh, a doctor of medicine. And um, although I know about all the pharmaceutical uh, that, that are involved in dementia, the if you like, the memory drugs, um, I felt it was better for an actual doctor to to write that chapter um, but it is known and he says quite clearly in the chapter that certain uh, pharmaceuticals that are prescribed to people do affect the cognition and that's quite frightening because some of these things are given out um, he as he puts it like smarties they're given out willy-nilly well um, the next one, question you know, is which drugs, ones are they what should be well, the ones he particularly mentions, I think, are statins, which is a bit frightening, uh, because a lot of people you will know 
do take statins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other ones are gastro... <clears throat> Sorry, I have to look this up specifically because, as I said, it was his chapter. Uh, here we go. He talks about drugs that are given for um, proton pump inhibitors, as it's called, for to, to reduce the acid that you produce in your stomach. And I think they're given out to a lot of older people. Well, statins, and I'll go back to the statins, because stat- we don't only have about a, few, a couple minutes left, but statins are something that, as you just said, they're given out willy-nilly. They're just, you know, take a statin. You have high, oh. yeah, oh. and oh. given to young, healthy people, and they continue to take it throughout their life. So that um, that's kind of a scary th- stat. That's uh, what about older people? Old, older people in statins. Well, I, we should ask the doctor, but uh, read the book. You should definitely <laughs> um, ask the doctor. You should definitely yeah. discuss it with the doctor. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's an yeah. That's very interesting. Okay, so a couple minutes left. Um, where can we? Go, well, where can we get? We can get the book. I assume online bookstores everywhere. Yeah, you can you can get the book from the publisher itself, which is um, uh, Hammersmith Books. Uh, but you can also, as, as always, get it on Amazon. And you should be able to order it in any bookstore. And Mary, can you listen to it on Audible? Yes, you can. And there is an e-book. Yeah. That's, that's uh, uh, and also let. Just tell us quickly your work, what you're doing, where we can go for more information about your own work, your next book. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, my website is um, adaptdementia.com. So it's adaptdementia, all one word, .com. And um, everything about my work and the books is on that website. I have to tell you, um, as we're as we're talking, that I don't have, um, I'm not insured to take clients from the U.S. But anyone can look at my website and look at the advice there, and anyone can read my books, obviously. Even if you're in the U.S., you can still read Mary's book. So <laughs> I advise go out and get the book. Free to do that. Uh, and I've been talking to Mary Jordan, who is the author of Dodging Dementia, Understanding. MCI, Mild Cognitive Development, and Other Risk Factors. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate it. Lots of good information. Thank you very much. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 